Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Associate Pastor Reverend Henry Coates. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Prepare our heart, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Mark 6, verse 1. Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went out about among the village teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sonia, for the reading of Scripture. Good morning, everybody. On this fine Fourth of July, warm this morning, not too hot, but here we are gathered in the sun together, worshiping our God. It is good to see you all here today. Uh, whether you are here with us in person or online. Um, um, Today we are going to delve deep into the scripture and hear how God is speaking to us through the words of of Jesus and the ministry of the disciples done in Jesus' name. Please pray with me. Uh, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing unto you, you who are our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. So, setting out to do something new 
can always be a bit frightening. Whether you are starting a new job, entering a different phase of life, beginning school or leaving school, or going someplace unexpected, it takes some nerve to step off the map into uncharted territory. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, as our church is in a bit of a transition. Pastor Ray is coming back from his sabbatical this upcoming Tuesday. Today is our last Sunday of outside worship. God willing, we will be back in our sanctuary with all you people hopefully joining us on uh, July 18th. Our church, all 153 years of our history, have prepared us for this moment because God's timing is perfect. But this raises so many questions. What is our church going to look like? Who's going to show up to worship? Some of you I haven't seen since March 2020. And that makes me sad because I can't help but wonder if I'll ever see you again. How are we going to organize ourselves? What sort of opportunities are we going to offer? Who, where, or what are we going to be? What type of mind or mood or morale are we going to go about in, in our day-to-day life together as Christians, as a church? What type of church are we going to be? And will anyone care? So these are some of the questions I've been kicking around lately, uh, talking with others about, praying over, planning through. You get it. Uh, my, My son agrees too. He's heard me talk all about these things. And as I said, God's timing is perfect. And so God provided the perfect passage in the lectionary for me to preach from today. Mark 6, 1 through 13. Though it might not appear that way at first, our passage for today is both a looking back and a stepping forward. Mark 6, 1 through 13 is actually two different stories. The first, traditionally known as Jesus rejected at Nazareth, starts out with Jesus traveling with his disciples to his home town. I've talked often about how the Gospel of Mark is my favorite of the four Gospels. Mark is the shortest Gospel. He gets straight to the point and tells it as it is. And so it is with our scripture for this morning. On the Sabbath, Jesus goes to teach at the synagogue, and all who heard him were, quote, astounded. But apparently that wasn't good enough. Those hometown folks don't have much time for him, and he doesn't apparently have much time for them. This is the same old, same old for Jesus and for the people in the Nazareth synagogue. They see him as Mary's boy. Didn't matter his wisdom, his deeds of power. He was a carpenter, a worker, a boy from down the street. They know his family. And apparently because of who he was associated with, he wasn't worth a second glance. The familiarity bred contempt. 
the Bible puts it, they took offense at him. And then Jesus, in response to this offense, offers up a pretty standard proverb in response, one known throughout the world at his time, not an original thought, but a biting comment nonetheless. Jesus knows something about himself and what he's all about. Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. To quote my old professor at Princeton, Clifton Black, Jesus' calling is not to the familiar righteous, but to the alien sinners. Everywhere Jesus goes, he brings healing in his wake, but shockingly not here, according to Mark. The Gospel of Mark words it this way, matter of fact, bluntly, and he could do no deeds of power there. Their hostile indifference seemingly put an end to Jesus' work right there and then in that place. But wait a second, of course, if you, even Mark knows that that can't be. There is an exception. A few sick folk whom Jesus heals by touching them with his hands. There are a few. There is a remnant. Clifton Black observes, Those healings, which some would consider impressive, Mark throws away as an aside, like a tossed seed blooming into a mighty vegetable, leafy enough for a bird sanctuary. You get the sense that throughout the Gospels, everyone is astonished with Jesus. But here, now Jesus is the one who is flabbergasted. Not by a mighty work, but by such an impenetrable unfaith. Those expecting nothing from God will not be disappointed. So the same old, same old was not good enough for Jesus, apparently. Nor was it good enough for the people of Nazareth. So Jesus, rejected in his homeland, turns to people in surrounding villages. And this is where we get to Mark 6, 6 through 13. Now Jesus did something astonishing here as well. He takes the initiative. He calls the 12 disciples and sends them out in his name with his authority. Jesus' disciples are set apart and set out for mission. The old status quo won't cut it anymore. Jesus' disciples are his representatives here on earth. And he sends them out to make the world a better place in his name. You can note what Jesus says they should bring and what they should do as they go about the mission he sends him on. But for today, that's perhaps more suited to a Bible study than a sermon. But here's the thing, look at verse 11, either at your Bibles at home or present, or if you have it on your phone, look at verse 11. Shaking off the dust appears to have been a prophetic demonstration. Jesus talks about shaking the dust off of your feet. From those who repudiate the kingdom's heralds, nothing should be received, not even their dirt. And he commands this of his disciples right after he leaves his old stomping grounds, his old home in Nazareth, which rejected him. 
there's something to that. Note how Mark says that Jesus gives the disciples the authority, power, over unclean spirits. Another name for unclean spirits is demons. In other words, the powers of hell. Jesus' ministry can be encapsulated in his victory over the demonic, his rescuing us and the entire cosmos from the present evil age. And now the 12 disciples are authorized and empowered to extend Jesus' victory through their own mission. They are sent from him into all the world to save that world from the powers of hell. And it is fascinating because this is exactly what they do in Jesus' name with his authority. Now, so far in the Gospel of Mark and throughout the entire book, the Gospels, they don't always portray the disciples in the best light. They're, 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 they're a bit silly at times. They don't get it. They, they trip over their own feet. They question Jesus in obvious ways. But here, they do it. The disciples do it right. Verse 12, so they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. It is astounding. Now my question for myself and for all of us and for our church, do you think you could do this? Could you go out in Jesus' name and change the world? And what would it take? Courage, confidence, and Christ himself. Now our mission isn't exactly the same as the mission Jesus sends his disciples on in Mark 6. After much prayer and discernment, the governing body of our church, the session, formulated this mission statement in early 2019. First Presbyterian Church of Evanston exists to know Christ and to grow in him as we serve and make disciples in Evanston, the Chicago area, and the world. Now what this looks like in practice, how we move this from theory to action, what it looks like, sounds like, tastes like, feels like, well that's up to all of you. I serve you as your pastor, but you all, you are the church of Jesus Christ here in this place at the corner of Chicago and Lake. You are the ones Jesus sends out into the world. Now the world can seem like a scary place. You got disease, you got dirt, you got politics, you got hate. But what can be most challenging for Christians can be the present hostile indifference. So much, so much of our present evil age holds Christianity in. The indifference of people who no longer seem to need God. So what's it going to take? Courage, confidence, and Christ. One of my favorite movies is Casablanca. 
If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to do so quick as you can. Made in 1942, in one of the darkest periods of the Second World War, when it appeared that the Nazis were on the brink of victory, it tells the story of an American named Rick, masterfully played by Humphrey Bogart. In Rick's nightclub in the sun-soaked North African city of Casablanca, in Morocco, Rick just trying to keep his head above it all. Seeing as Morocco was part of the French Empire at the time, after the Germans had defeated the French in 1940 and forced the government to surrender, Casablanca was under German occupation. Patriotic French citizens seething under German domination, but seemingly powerless to do anything. There's this scene in the movie where a group of Nazi officers are drinking in Rick's bar. And they gather at a piano and start singing an old patriotic German song, Die Wacht am Rhein. My friend Todd wrote about this in a book of his, and he wrote it better than I ever could, so I'm just going to paraphrase him for a bit at this time. Now, the Germans singing this song in this place at this time, well, it's a quite rude gesture, don't you think? Here they are, a conquering army in occupied territory, and they are spitting in the face of the French citizens. The downcast Frenchmen and women sit glumly, while Victor Laszlo, a brave Czech resistance fighter, calmly and deliberately walks over to the band and says, Play la Marseillaise, the French national anthem. The band members are tentative. They fear the German officers. But Humphrey Bogart as Rick, he, he nods his approval. And Laszlo begins to sing at the top of his lungs. And let me tell you as an aside, if I could sing this without butchering the French, I would do so right now to give you a sense of the gusto and hope and pride that they sang in the passion of the moment. And the band, it starts to play. The music soars and the crowd comes to life. March on, march on. The band, the crowd, sorry, I'm repeating myself here because I'm getting caught up in the moment because it was a moment you get caught up in if you watch the movie. They do not protest the Nazis directly. They do not shout them down in anger. They just sing so loudly this song of their hearts that they overwhelm the German soldiers. With that one strong positive voice, they drown out the destructive voices for that brief moment. And I'm telling you now, every time I watch the scene, I find myself crying with pride, hope, and courage. All it takes is one voice bravely sung to start a revolution. Quiet gestures and small actions can have echoes in eternity. My friends, we, we can't go back to where we once were. Prophets are not welcome in their hometown in familiar places. Religions are boring to those whom they seem familiar and predictable or shallow. There's no going back to the pre-COVID world. There's no going back to our church's imagined golden age. 
God is calling us now, here and now, to be brave. As Jesus declares in the book of Revelation, behold, I am doing a new thing. Jesus sends us out now with his authority placed on our shoulders to be our hand to be his hands and feet in a world that has forgotten the joyous life-giving transformational hope that is the revolutionary message gospel of Jesus Christ it doesn't matter if the world is indifferent nazareth was indifferent to jesus but he still worked wonders didn't he and we can too. How can I say that with such confidence? Well, because our eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. That's the opening line of the battle hymn of the Republic. Seeing as today is the 4th of July, what happens to be my favorite holiday, I requested that we sing this hymn today. It's an old abolitionist standard written in 1861 at the start of the Civil War. And it preaches the gospel. Jesus' truth is marching on and we are marching along right beside it, beside him. To quote, as he died to make men holy, let us live to set them free. Friends, we can live with the confidence of a Christian because Jesus is with us, calling us to take heart, to get up and follow him wherever he may lead us. Why? Because God's not done with us yet. God's not done with you yet. As a church, as people, as individuals, as human beings, beloved daughters, and sons of the king. My iPad just overheated and turned off, so that means I'm just gonna wing it now. But it's true. God's not done with you yet, folks. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what your past looks like, your future is secure because you can step out in faith and march along him whose truth is marching on. Trust in him. Have faith, be brave, courageous, confidence, and be in Christ, he who is our all in all, this day and all our days. To God be the glory. His truth is marching on. Amen and amen. <laughs>